Welcome to this episode of the 74 and West Exclusives Podcast. As the world grapples with the coronavirus pandemic, there is not only a health crisis, but an economic one as well. All of this takes both a financial and emotional toll. For some people, they can't work. For others, they have to work in different ways than they ever have before. In other words, these are times of flux and fear. Consequently, many companies are trying to reach out to their customers and to their employees to let them know they care. It's the intersection of business and thoughtfulness. I sat down recently with someone who's an expert on both to discuss what it means for a business to be thoughtful and to get an idea of her own journey. So I'm Sarah Parkins. I'm the founder and the CEO of a company that we've created called Birch Cove. Birch Cove really is about empowering organizations to grow these incredible ecosystems that are built on well-being. And by doing that, they then help individuals within that ecosystem to really flourish. To start with, I asked Sarah to tell me a little bit about herself, but with a twist. I asked her to tell me something interesting about herself that she wished more people knew. Oh, that's a great question and quite a hard one to answer. But um, I suppose uh, what's uh, somewhat curious about me is that my sort of my career has been very, you know, corporate and businessy and now having my own business. Um, perhaps what people wouldn't know is that I actually started doing ballet dancing when I was two years old. And I did that until I was 17 and had the opportunity to dance with the Bolshoi Ballet during that time as a one-off experience, was, which was just extraordinary. But even that that sort of experience just taught me an awful lot about um, discipline and commitment. And I think that sort of dance experience of growing up really taught me a lot. She expands on this a bit. I still remember the, the way the ballet masters taught. And uh, it was an incredible experience on a stage in London. And it was just, it, it was amazing. And, and I just think that level of dedication that actually all dancers have um, is... It, extraordinary and very inspiring. And and there's lots of those lessons that I bring to everyday life even now. We're going to get to what Sarah Parkins does now and what's happening now. But first, a little bit more about the past. Her talk about her time as a ballet dancer got me thinking about how my family and I have a tradition where we go see the Nutcracker every Christmas season. We chatted about that. And then I told her about another Christmas season family tradition we have. We also have another tradition around Christmas time as we watch a film. I don't think a lot of Americans know this. You probably know it. It's probably more of a classic. Um, the Snowman. Oh, I love The Snowman. It's a great film. And as it turns out, The Snowman has some special significance for Sarah. Do you know, it, talking about The Snowman is reminding me that um, it was a film that I absolutely adored and I loved it for many, many years as a child. But I remember at some point um, that right at the very end, and of course you'll remember what happens, and I, I sort of don't want to give it away to, in case people sort of listen to this and are curious about The Snowman, but I am going to have to give a little bit of, a, of it away. When he melts. I just remember the sheer emotion that kind of came into me and how sad it was and how the tears would just fall down my face. And for a few years, I just remember thinking and saying to my parents, no, I'm not going to watch The Snowman. No, because it's just too sad. Like, and I just, I don't want to feel those tears and I don't want to feel that emotion. And 
it was probably at the time I didn't realize this was my sort of entrance into recognizing how our emotions come in waves and recognizing as a human that feeling sad things and feeling emotions that were uncomfortable I really didn't like and so I then would try and find ways to sort of navigate away from feeling those uncomfortable feelings and emotions and then roll forward many years as a as an adult then learning to recognize that our emotions are actually so powerful for us and they're just so helpful and they're just these sort of guides to give us insight about where we're at and what we're experiencing it is powerful and it is interesting that that was something that um for you was sort of formative right um how people feel is a big part of what you do right it is yeah very much so and i I think it's actually extraordinary that um we've created a business based on that and interestingly enough it was always something for me that I felt that emotions were a huge part of business and uh, to the decisions we make and the instincts we feel and we trust whether something is right or whether something is wrong whether we like somebody whether we don't like somebody it's all emotion it all comes from that point and I remember when I started my career it was just devoid of emotion you know it was like going into business was something I always wanted to do but when I sort of got there and was in it I was surprised at how organizations and people in general that I had sort of interacted with everything you know emotionally was like left left outside you know emotions have no place in business emotion is you know emotional uh, feeling and all of that no that that's not a place for business And that makes sense, because traditionally, thoughtfulness has been somewhat synonymous with weakness. Strength is authority. Strength is decisiveness. It's to go full steam ahead fearlessly and doubtlessly. It's the antithesis of being considerate and flexible and open, which makes you vulnerable. And it's like, well, you know, no, thoughtfulness is going to cost us an awful lot of money, or, you know, looking after the well-being of our employees and creating a culture. It's like, well, no, you know, we've you know, we're a business here. But in recent times, some of that thinking has changed. I would say over the last decade, uh, that started to change and it's grown in strength where individuals, you know, society patterns have changed, cultures have changed. And there's this sort of waking up of people saying, you know, I just don't love what I'm doing. I don't love the way I feel when I'm at work. I don't love the fact that I'm exhausted all the time. I don't love that I don't get to see my family. My, If you have children, my children are in bed when I get home. Um, I don't see them in the morning because I've left, because I'm commuting and I have to get up really early to get a train and, and, and get into, into work. And that just doesn't feel good to me. You can Combine that with also people starting to feel drained and then saying, well, okay, well, what's wrong with me? These feelings lead to self-doubt, anxiety, and sometimes even worse. Then add on a layer of we're always on, we're always connected, we've got access to information 24-7, and we just feel that sense of being connected. It just compiles and adds on to everybody in different ways and we all respond to that differently but as businesses have grown more aware of their employees experiences in these regards their thinking has evolved just because once upon a time 
it was right for us to go off and push people to, you know, commit and in the industrial era of creating and pushing and, and generating output doesn't mean that's where we have to be anymore. And it's not where we are anymore. Here we are quite a few years later thank goodness we've got organizations that have woken up businesses that are more alive than ever before and those are the ones that are actually recognizing the power of emotion and how we make decisions through emotion and this is sarah's specialty empowering businesses to become more thoughtful these are nice sounding words so i was curious what does it mean to actually empower them what we're actually wanting to do is to support an organization and to empower the organization to be able to make assessments and choices for itself based on its own desires, based on its own needs, based on its own direction, and then give that organization the support to move itself into almost um, a self-management, self-operating way that it can bring well-being into its ecosystem and into its existence. And it can do that on a daily basis. So Birch Cove doesn't simply provide a static product or service that prescribes thoughtfulness and, say, a three-step program of how to get there. Thoughtfulness has to be a part of a company's DNA so that it's an organic part of all of its operations. And thoughtfulness is not a singular monolithic concept. It's unique to every company and its leadership. And it comes down to something very simple. Intention. We've, in our time, worked with uh, Fortune 100 companies to small solo entrepreneurs. And you would be surprised over the course of our conversations how many times we've asked of a particular event or a program that's taking place and we've, we've asked the simple question, what's your intention with this occasion or this program? And multiple people within teams have not been able to come up with an answer to what the intention is. And often we'll get... Well, you know, we've, we've been doing this for many years. We just, we, we always do this. Uh, I guess it's a networking opportunity or it's uh, good for it's a good marketing opportunity. But real intention is answering one simple question. How do you want to make people feel? And by people, that's both employees and clients slash consumers. Because that thing she said about the intention being a marketing opportunity... Well, that's the trouble these days is companies are racing to appear the friendliest, the most caring. Well-being is not an initiative. It's not, a, it's not an initiative or a program on its own. It really is a decision point that becomes a lifestyle for the company and for the individuals. And it's a choice that an organization is making every single day. And it's either something that is part of the fabric of the organization or it's not. Otherwise, thoughtfulness, well-being, caring, those are just really empty buzzwords and it's you know throw that on the website or or put that detail into our marketing material or use those buzzwords but you have to be able to show action and as the coronavirus has people sheltering at home away from friends and family as it ravages the economy and sadly takes lives people need more than buzzwords massive amounts of fear and you know it is very frightening the emotional and the psychological impact of all of this is, for many, terrifying. And as Sarah explains, this is going to have a big impact on how we work. She says people, almost everyone, at some point... Will be feeling fear, be feeling anxiety, be feeling worry. Um, and those emotions will come and go, possibly at a, a heightened rate at the moment. Um, 
And that affects us all individually. And when it affects us individually, then collectively as groups of individuals in society, and of course this has gone worldwide, businesses change. The way that we make decisions, the way we solve problems, our critical thinking is impaired in in a way that it wasn't before, and our productivity levels are affected. And this is not just a blip. Even when we we get to a place where we're able to reintegrate into society where we'll be able to meet again in groups or return to offices there'll be a there'll be a, a tail on this for a long long time that psychologically will be very different none of this says sarah is theoretical when we experience a level of trauma like this and this is a trauma that we're all going through that sense of um, control is lost and we've seen that play out with the toilet roll crisis that's one way that we you know with goods and and, and services and products we try and figure out ways to to maintain control and purchasing large amounts of toilet roll is one thing we laugh but it's one thing that we can do to kind of regain that control again as people clamor for a sense of control businesses are doing their best to signal that they care but in a crisis things are thrown into stark relief. And where some businesses might have once skated by with warm and fuzzy copy on their collateral, that's simply not enough now. It's the ones who are truly thoughtful that are easy to spot. We're all starting to identify the ones which are are putting humanity first, they're putting individuals first and community, and they're all making kind of changes to, you know, in response to what's going on. For instance, those changes mean business leaders are relinquishing that invaluable sense of control that they have and turning it over to their staff, the people who need it the most. Even if that's saying, look, you know, we recognize what's going on. If you need to take time during the day, go out for walks if you can do that. If you have the luxury of a garden, take the children out and play. Like, go during the day. It doesn't matter about the traditional work schedule that we used to have. Find a way that you establish your own routine and we will work this out as we go. Not every company is capitalized enough to be able to withstand a situation like COVID-19 without furloughs, layoffs, or worse. But still, many are, especially those who have had a long-standing culture and a long record of looking out for their employees' wellness. The businesses that are taking hits, so Patagonia, for example, has always been a company that has put employees before profits. So the owner of Patagonia, despite all of their stores being closed, still continuing to pay all of their employees that's a that's a profit hit for them without a doubt but their commitment to taking care of people that thoughtfulness that they're bringing of saying you know what it's going to affect our bottom line of course it is but it's more important that we as an organization take care of people that's an example of putting thoughtfulness above the profit line and actually will come back and support them long term so that they continue to grow. And and I am convinced that they will become a company that lasts the long haul because of their thoughtfulness and because of their philosophy of taking care of people. In fact, Sarah has studied this and the data supports her prediction, as long as it goes anything like past disasters have. When Hurricane Sandy took place in uh, 2012, the organizations that were the ones that were front running in terms of humanity and putting their employees first or their community first, ultimately ended up being the ones that went uh, or survived longer than the ones and created more of a legacy than the ones that kind of put the shutters down and just went, okay, balance sheet, that's the profit. Like everything is about, you know, stabling the boat and like, let's draw the shutters down and push people out and they didn't survive in quite the same way 
As Sarah tells me, case studies repeatedly suggest that operating with thoughtfulness can actually make a difference to the long-term survival and legacy of a company. Which brings us back to a company like Patagonia versus one who may be more opportunistically virtue signaling. Patagonia, as you rightly said, couldn't have just been an organization that was a split decision of, okay, let's today be thoughtful. Or in a, in a, in a, in a sort of a um, a callous comment of, well, you know, let's like get some PR and let's like use this as a marketing opportunity and let's say that we're paying everybody, but really we're not. Um, you know, it has to exist in the fabric of the organization. So to empower businesses to be able to create these sort of ecosystems, it's not initiative based. It's not program based. It's about a culture and it's about a, it's a choice and it's, a, it's the way that you exist as an organization. So it may be that while caring can be, at times, costly, it's not only good from a human perspective, but from a business perspective as well. I'd like to thank our guest Sarah Parkins, founder and CEO of Birch Cove, for joining me in this enlightening conversation. More great conversations with thought leaders and industry experts in the 74 and West Exclusives podcast. If you like reading, we've got some fascinating interviews published at 74andwest.com under the Exclusives tab. That's also a great place to find out more about the client and employee intelligence work that 74andwest does. Thanks so much. See you next time.